If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look there today. You know, I think one of the most exciting events in track and field is a relay race. It takes this combination of speed, timing, precision, and teamwork in order for the relay team to win. And the suspense is so great because in an individual race, the fastest runner always wins. But in a relay race, the fastest team can lose if one thing happens. If they fail to pass the baton. I mean, any track coach will tell you that relay races are won and lost in that transfer of the baton. There is that critical moment when everything can be lost if you fumble it, a slight miscalculation. And for whatever reason, you drop it and it's not transferred properly, the race is lost. Dr. James Dobson once said, according to the Christian values that govern my life, my most important reason for living is to get the baton, the gospel, safely into the hands of my children. And I got to tell you, as a dad, as a pastor, I couldn't agree more with that statement. That's why I believe the first lesson we as parents must teach our kids is, you've got to believe. We have to pass that baton of faith in the Lord Jesus to the next generation. Or else everything else we do ends up failing. I mean, physical life begins at birth and ends at death. But spiritual life begins at faith and never ends. Jesus said in John 11, Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So what we have to teach our kids is this principle of faith. And the first truth we have to teach them is real life begins with faith in God. And so the author of Hebrews gives us this defining truth of faith. Tells us what we need to know. Tells us what our children need to learn about faith. Here's what we see in Hebrews 11. First, we see when faith is described. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. See, that's not the definition of faith. It's a description of faith. Now in the Greek language, whenever someone wanted to emphasize a word, they put it first in the sentence. And the first word in this sentence in Greek is the word is. Because before you tell someone what faith does, you must tell them what faith is. And we're told here exactly what faith is. It's a substance that is real. Another version put it this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance comes from this Latin sub, which means under, and the verb stare, meaning to stand. So it literally means something under upon which you stand. Or something to stand on. A good term for it is foundation. Faith is something solid. And when you live by faith, you're not walking on shifting sand. You're standing on the solid rock. And so our faith is the foundation of the future. Because it's the substance of things hoped for. See, our faith sees the future guaranteed in the present. Faith is not believing something in spite of what you think is true. It's believing something because of what you know is real. Real faith is based on fact. Although it's different from fact. Uh, there was a preacher trying to illustrate the difference between fact and faith. And this is what he said to his church. He said, now it's a fact 
you are sitting in those pews. And it's a fact that I'm standing behind the pulpit. But it's only by faith I believe any of you are listening to me. (laughs) It's funny, but his faith was based on a solid fact. They were in the pew, he was in the pulpit, he was speaking, and by all indications they were listening. See, in the original Greek, the word substance referred to a title deed or a legal guarantee. See, faith does not say, I'm going to get it. Faith says, I already have it. I don't have to wait to get into heaven to enjoy heaven because by faith, I can get heaven into me. Faith looks at the past and it lives in the present, but it longs for the future. But the most important thing to understand is that faith is not rooted in fantasies. It's rooted in reality. Because faith is more than just substance that is real. It's also evidence that is reliable. He says this, it is the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence literally means legal proof or conviction. I mean, there are a lot of people who think about faith the way this 10-year-old boy in Sunday school class thought about it. His Sunday school teacher asked him a question, what is faith? And he said, oh, that's easy. Faith is believing something you know is not true. (laughs) He was wrong. See, faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is believing because of the evidence. I mean, sometimes when we are not certain about a person or fact, we'll say, well, you just have to take it on faith. In other words, faith picks up where facts leave off. But that's not true about biblical faith. Bible faith is founded on facts, and those facts are rooted in God's Word. Faith is the legal proof, the absolute guarantee of the things that are not seen. Faith sees what the eyes cannot. See, eyes give us sight, right? But faith gives us vision. It sees the invisible. It touches the intangible. It hears the inaudible. I mean, you may have 20-20 vision, But the eyes of faith can see farther and deeper and clearer and better than our flesh eyes can. See, when my flesh looks at the sun, my faith sees Jesus as the light of the world. My flesh looks at the stars and my faith sees Jesus, the bright and morning star. My flesh looks at the fields and my faith sees Jesus, the lily of the valley. See, the world says, seeing is believing. Right? That's why Thomas tells us in John 20, he says, unless I see his hands in the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Seeing is believing. But the Bible says, believing is seeing. That's why Jesus told Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I mean, the world says what you see is what you get. But the Bible says what you get is what you don't see. And there are some people that try to make fun of us, right? That we walk by faith and we live by faith. But remember, if they're making fun of you, they're really making fun of themselves. Because the fact of the matter is, every single person in this planet lives by faith. A doctor will tell you, you have a disease you've never heard of. Write you a prescription you can't read for medicine you can't pronounce. And you take it to a druggist you don't know and he gives you a bottle of liquid that tastes like poison and you take it completely. And then you go back and you ask for a refill. That's faith. I mean, the infidel drinks water out of a faucet believing it's safe. 
The agnostic drinks his, drives his automobile in the freeway traffic, believing his brakes will work. The atheist submits to the surgeon's knife, believing he knows what he's doing. But see, there's a big difference between faith and biblical faith. The quality of faith depends on the object that it rests. I mean, the water might actually be poison. The brakes might fail. The surgeon could make a mistake. But when we put our faith in a God who cannot lie and who cannot fail and who never changes, that's the difference. See, the difference between a Christian and non-Christian is not one believes and the other doesn't. The difference is the Christian has faith in God. And it's God that makes the difference with faith. He gives it substance. He provides evidence. We also see when faith is declared. I mean, in verse 3, we're told about something that faith does. Verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith we understand. That word understand means to know intellectually. See, faith is intellectual as well as spiritual. You don't have to check your mind at the doors of Christianity, even though you walk through it by faith. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. See, people sometimes talk about blind faith. But it's not blind. Unbelief is blind. Faith is not stepping into the dark. It's, it's leaping into the light. It's founded on facts and truth. That's why it's nonsense to say, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. You can pick up a can of poison and you can sincerely believe that this is a can of Coca-Cola. If you drink it, you'll be sincerely dead. Right? Faith is supernatural, but it's not stupid. So one of the tests that you have real biblical faith is whether or not your faith can declare its belief in two things. First, does it declare the belief that the world was made by the Word of God? He said in verse 3, By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. It's amazing to me that some scientists have taken centuries and volumes to explain the origins of the universe. But it can be explained in two words. God said. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 and you'll find everything from light and darkness, water to land, plants to animals, from nothing to everything, came as a result of the word of God. Genesis chapter 1, it says these words eight different times. God said. And at the end of every one of those words, another physical, creative miracle took place. Right? God spoke, and the universe lit up like a Roman candle. God spoke, and the mountains began to rise, and oceans began to roll. God spoke, and the sun shined, and the stars twinkled, and the moon glowed. God spoke, and birds began to fly, and fish began to swim. God spoke, and man began to walk, and women began to shop. <laughs> The psalmist says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. I mean, there's no such thing as Mother Nature. But there is a Creator God who spoke this world into existence, and by faith we understand that. But real faith also declares this, The world was molded 
by the work of God. He said in verse 3, By faith we understand that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. See, you cannot reconcile evolution with real faith. Because evolution takes for granted that what is here evolved from something that was there. The real true classical theory of evolution believes that matter is eternal. And there are some that try to work God into this picture and say God took matter that was here and he shaped it and he molded it through the evolutionary process and, and the world became what we live in. But verse 3 says faith understands God made everything out of nothing. Real faith believes everything you can see comes from nothing that you can see. In other words, real faith begins with Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the evolutionists and the scientists will try to criticize us because they say that we are in the area of faith and they deal in the area of facts. So the evolutionist says something like, well, where did God come from? We say God never came from anything. He always has been. They say, prove it. I say, no, I can't. And the scientist says, well, that's just faith. But then we can turn and we can ask the evolutionist, where did the universe come from? How did non-living material spontaneously become a living being? Why are there no transitional creatures in the fossil record? How could sight have evolved by blind chance? And the honest evolutionist will say they don't know. And at this point, we are both operating in the realm of, I don't know. But here's the difference. The evolutionist calls their I don't know science. I call my I don't know faith in a creator God. See, the truth is that both scientists and saints require faith. But their faith is in shifting sands and human speculation. Our faith is in the divine revelation of God. Dr. Colin Peterson, he is a senior paleontologist for the British Museum of Natural History. And he was giving this keynote address at the American Museum of Natural History. And he made this statement. He said, one morning I woke up and something had happened in the night and it struck me. I had been working on this stuff for 20 years and there was not one thing I knew about it. That was quite a shock. He said, for the last few weeks I've been trying to, to put this question out to, simple, to various people in groups. And here's the question. Can you tell me anything you know about evolution? Any one thing that is true. I asked this question on the geology staff at the Field Museum of Natural History and I only got silence. I tried it on members of the Evolutionary Morphology Seminar in the University of Chicago and all I got was silence. And eventually one person spoke up and said, I don't know one thing, but I do know this. It ought not to be taught in high school. I mean, it takes courage to look into the eyes of scientists and evolutionists and ev educationally elites and say, you believe in creation. But if you're going to walk by faith, that's where the legs of our faith take its stand. We also see why faith is demanded. Faith is not an option. It is an obligation. It is not a choice, but a command. Because faith can do things that nothing else can do. Because it activates a God who can do things that no one else can do. And our faith gladdens the heart of God. Verse 6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That, that word, impossible, 
comes from a Greek word that has a prefix meaning no. The main stem meaning power. So it literally means without power. Without faith, you are helpless and powerless to please God. Nothing else, nothing but faith pleases God. Not fortunes, not fame, not fitness, not fashion, only faith. Our number one purpose must be to please God because nothing else matters in life if you don't. And if you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. And if you displease God, it doesn't matter whom you please. The purpose of life is to please God. It's also the purpose of faith. So real life is a life of faith. The purpose of faith is not to perform miracles, but to please God. Right? The devil can work miracles. He can't please God. Faith is the sign of a healthy heart. Just like the eye is right when it responds to light, the ear is right when it responds to sound, the heart is right when it responds to God by faith. And the first step to pleasing God is you must believe that He is. That is, real faith believes God is near even if He seems far away. There was a great example found on a wall of a concentration camp. On that wall, a prisoner who had been there for years with no hope of release wrote this. I believe in the sun even though it doesn't shine. I believe in love even when it's not shown. I believe in God even when he doesn't speak. Real faith knows that there is more to life than meets the eye. Faith refuses its vision to be limited by the visible. It refuses to listen only for the audible. It doesn't allow the mind to be controlled just by the logical. There, there was a father in the Bahamas, and he was crying out to his young son who was trapped in a burning house. And the two-story structure was engulfed in flames and everyone else got out but this five-year-old boy. And he was standing at the window and his father was down below and he said, Son, jump and I will catch you. And the boy said, But Dad, I can't see you. And the father said, I know, but I can see you. Faith comes to God believing that he sees even when we cannot. Faith also gains the honor of God. It said this, by faith we know that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The word reward is a word that means one who pays wages. I mean, with God, you get what you earn. If you look for a little God, you get God a little. The more God you seek, the more you'll see and the more you'll find. See, as faith honors God, God honors faith. Dwight L. Moody once said, a little faith in God will bring your soul to heaven, but a lot of faith in God will bring heaven to your soul. <laughs> God said this, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know why faith is important? You understand why the single most important thing one generation can do for the next is to pass on to that generation the baton of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because only the feet of faith takes a family to heaven. You can't please God without faith because you cannot know God without faith. And you cannot be saved without knowing God. That's why the first lesson we have to teach our kids is you've got to believe. In ancient Corinth, 
they used to stage the forerunner for the modern Olympics. It was called the Isminian Games. And the highlight of the games was this relay race. The competitors lined up side by side at the starting line, each bearing a torch. And in the distance awaited another line of men. And farther on, another line of men. And when the signal was given, the men would begin to run, bearing their lighted torches. When a runner reached his partner in the next line, he would pass on that light. And that man would go and pass on the light until the finish line was reached. And there were two things vitally important. Number one, they could not allow the light to go out. And number two, they could not drop the torch. And the Greeks coined a phrase out of that relay race. Let those who have the light pass it on. That's what we have to do. From generation to generation to generation until Jesus comes back. We have to pass on the light of the gospel to the next generation. So let me just ask you as we close this morning, have you received that light? Or do you need it today? If you need the light that only comes through faith in Jesus, come talk to me. Stop by the church this week and visit with me. But let's shine that light. Let me share that faith with you. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the faith that we have in you. A faith that stands firm on your foundation. And Lord, I pray you help us today, this week, (laughs) to share that faith with others so they can see your light, so they can experience your love and your grace. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.